This is the Random Nintendo Podcast, episode 27 for July 25th. I'm your host, I Kevin. I think it's 28. And to, uh, I don't think so. It is. It is. It is the 5th. Today's the 24th, making tomorrow Sunday the 25th. But we're, no, not the, uh, you got the, yeah, no, but it's it's 28, Kevin. Uh, okay, randomnintendo.com. Which is I'm on it protected. right now. Are you? I know. Yeah, 27. Right between the size matter and spilling the tea is Ram Nintendo 27, which makes this... Ram Nintendo twenty eight. Well, I guess I didn't update the the iClouds. The no, yeah, that one says twenty seven. Yeah, no. Well, no, well, I updated it from twenty six. Well, uh oh, I don't know. Hmm. Blame blame Which Tim Apple. It's fine. Just blame Tim Apple. Nintendo? I have if they're mis they're misnumbered somewhere. I think well, what happened is we um yeah I don't know where they got misnumbered actually. I was gonna say it might have been when we did the Angel and Jason Power Robber that didn't have a number. So if anything, you should be one ahead, not one behind. So I don't know. Hmm. We'll figure Tim it Apple's out. Fault. Anyways, oh, it's fine. I'm your host oh. Kevin, and to my virtual left, we, we got Jason. We have a twenty-two Angel. I'm Jason. Hi. I know. I know. And that is uh to my virtual right, Angel. I am Angel. He is Angel. Uh, I'm sorry. It, the reason I probably didn't remember the numbers is because it has been like a minute since we've recorded, hasn't it? Like, probably our longest is, gap between recordings. Yeah, because we did episode, uh, the normal ram, random Nintendo up two fifty nine like early, but like five days, four days early. So yeah, this week and a half since we last recorded anything. Yeah, you went to uh, Thanks, Mexico, Jason. huh, Jason? I did. Yes, I was at a like was little that? gated community down in Mexico. It was fun. It was my first time in Mexico. We drove down to Mexico, which interestingly. Mexico doesn't care if you have a passport. We rolled through like it was a state line. It was really bizarre. Coming back, of course, the U.S. is like, ho, 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 hold on. But going down, it was like nothing. But yeah, it was fun. We just, uh, we stayed in this little, like, surfside, beach, beachside surf community called, uh, Las Gaviotas or something like that. And, uh, yeah, it was just, you know, down there for my girlfriend's sister's birthday. Her family rented, like, a, an Airbnb there. And we just, like, hung out by the pool, hung out by the ocean, got dinner in the nearby town, like, outdoors to be, you know, relatively COVID safe, and then just came back a few days later. So it was really relaxing. It was, uh, usually, I don't know, when you guys travel, do you travel more to, like, relax or to sightsee? You know what I mean? Like, are you more lounging or are you more like, I gotta see all the things, I gotta do all the things when you go somewhere new? I guess it depends on the place. I would much rather lounge. Mm-hmm. Than than sightsee. What about you, Angel? It depends on the place. Okay. I would much rather lounge than sightsee. Wow, it's like there's an echo in here. But yeah, for for me, the reason I ask is because for me, traditionally when I travel, I'm always like go go go. I want like see everything. Like I went, uh, even when I went to like Japan with a friend a few years ago, like there were times like I'm just gonna hang out at this coffee shop for like two hours. I'm like two hours, you can see like two temples, and I like ran off and did it. So uh, this was yeah, very this is exactly why I went to Japan with a different group first. And then I mean, I went, also, oh wait, also, I haven't gone with Jason. You haven't, <laughs> yeah, and you lied to me the first. This time. is why I went with two different groups first, and then eventually going with Jason. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, if we like were to like go out for drinks, I won't be like, oh, no time to drink, must go see this or that. But. uh yeah, I don't know. This was the first trip in a long time since I was maybe a kid where literally the purpose of the trip was just to like sit and just relax. And like there's a pool that was like right up against the ocean and we were kind of like between the two and it was really nice just for that like change of speed. But I kind of forgot that that's what vacation can be. <laughs> like I'm so used to like going to places to see the places. That I was like, oh yeah, I could just like relax and it's fine. So also I the remember. internet down there was awful. <sighs> just throwing that out there. How long did it take to upload a... Uh... 
the Ren and Tento podcast. So funny story about that. Uh, so if anyone is really tuned into our YouTube channel, Ramtown.com, you may have noticed that episode 259 was not there for like 15 hours. Uh, I started uploading the video from Mexico at, I think, 11 a.m. the day before the episode went live, so that Saturday. And it went to 2% at one point. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. And it was like two hours later. Then it went back to 1%, which I didn't even know was possible. They can literally lose your, – your internet can be so slow it's sapping away the data it already gave to YouTube. Um, but eventually about 8 p.m. is at 5%. I was like, this isn't – we're going to be back in America beforehand. So I uh, I just canceled the upload. But I did a speed test. And – well, first, uh, the audio did upload in about 45 minutes. Normally it takes about 10 seconds. So there's that. But I did a speed test, and the down was like three or four, but the up was literally 0.00, which I, again, did yeah, that was possible. That'll explain it. Yep. So, so it was it. an interesting experience. But no, it was, it was a nice trip, and uh, the lobster down there is really good, as is the crab and fish. Because we were, we were right on the coast. Like, you know, we were kind of like a couple miles from Rosarito. So. Right. Yeah. So that was Mexico. How were you yeah, guys I've, when I was gone? Anything I've happened been, uh, in your life? I've been to Mexico yeah. twice. Once to Ciudad Juarez, mm-hmm. which like when I went there was considered a place you didn't want to be in. And like the other time my mom's, I've been to my mom's hometown of uh, Aguascalientes. Like I've been to TJ plenty of times, especially as a little kid. Because my dad actually used to play like double A baseball down there. Wait, really? But I, I yeah, I, I kind of don't that. really count like uh, TJ because like, I was never like downtown. It was always some rundown baseball field. Mm. The tacos down there, though, ten out of ten. I remember we went yeah, to no, this one like taco joint, and one of the cooks would grab like a scoop of meat, launch it in the air with his left hand, and then with his right hand he would like slap the scoop while it was still suspended in the air, with like a, a tortilla. And I just what? thought it so was like he, he Benny Hanned it basically. Yeah, I guess, huh. and and like. Man, TJ's weird, and like in the same, the same like little taco joint, I saw one of my dad's teammates open up a bottle of Coke, like you know the the Mexican cokes, mm-hmm. using the top of his eye socket, and like <laughs> I've always wanted to learn how to do that, but like the guy had no scarring, but yeah, he was just like, oh yeah, you need this open here, and he would just plop it on his eye, and yeah, and that's a, that <laughs> that's how he TJ story I think I've ever. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy yeah yeah i uh we didn't have quite the benihana eye popping bottle experience but the first night we were there we went to a place um i guess shout out to this random little restaurant for anyone who's going down the toll road that goes along the coast um charlie's place and that's spelled c-h-a-r-l-y not i-e um which i didn't know was the way you could spell charlie but anyway um yeah it was just it was like kind of like a dive bar slash restaurant but they had they had live music and karaoke and the live music back to karaoke, which was interesting. Like the guy in bongo was just playing along to anyone that was singing. But they kept doing this thing. It was like very American. Like they were run, they were showing like Wheel of Fortune in there and like some other stuff. And there were a bunch of I think expats that were there. But they kept saying every ten minutes, Charlie's Place. You're open seven days a week. Come on down anytime, any place. Have any drink you want. And we're just like, why do they every ten minutes feel the need to say that? And they kept saying – we were there for like an hour and a half and they said literally on the clock, like on the dot every 10 minutes. It was very strange. But food was pretty good. So if you need like just traditional tacos, Charlie's Place off the D1 or 1D. <laughs> That's the freeway I think. 
that that reminds me of um the last day that we were in Japan when I think we were souvenir shopping angel there was a section of that like store that we were in that every five minutes would have like this recording of a of a man speaking English like welcome to to Tokyo store we got such cute bags for you we got so much merchandise <laughs> I don't know if you remember that angel was it like the big department store looking place yeah or was it uh, are you thinking of um um uh uh oh what's it called the 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 guy from the the legends the guy that can't do anything that rides a horse Don Quixote is that the store it might have been because those are the huge multi level like everything stores in Japan they're multi level I remember the one we well one of the ones we went to wasn't multi leveled but the one I went to in Tokyo so. and the one I went to in Osaka were both like three stories tall damn yeah. But um, yeah, I don't, yeah, I think it, it might was, have been. I'm not, I'm not too sure. I think what's perplexing me about them saying every ten minutes that they're open seven days a week is one, who isn't, and two, and two, like the, it was pretty dead there. Like, who are they telling every ten minutes? Like, who is in there drinking or eating so fast that they risk? You know, what well, if they didn't hear us nine minutes ago? We need to say it again. Like it's it's like even the gift shop it makes more sense because they're you know it's a constant churn of customers. But if you're at a restaurant, you're sitting. You hear it. And it wasn't a recording. It was a guy that was consciously looking around the room and going, yup, these are the same people. Time to repeat myself. Like, it made no sense. Although, the seven, actually, the seven-day-a-week thing might make sense because there was a weird, giant, plastic ge- uh, Jesus on a mountain, sort of, near us, near where we were staying. It was kind of like someone saw the Rio statue. And it was like, what if we did that, but, like, we just got paper mache so let's just use paper mache But it was, like, right there overlooking all of it. So maybe that's why they said seven days a week. And, like, you know, even in Jesus' shadow, we are open on Sunday. But, again, why every ten minutes? I don't know. But it was a fun trip. It's just one of those life's mysteries. I guess so. It's up there with, like, why Kanye can't release an album on time. That's a life mystery. Like, what? <laughs> three out, three years in a row, he can't release an album, he promises. Anyway, sorry. Not to go on a Kanye t- rant, but I don't get it. I'm sure whenever he released that, you will uh, have your opinions on it that we will talk about in this podcast. Probably. It's so tricky with him because, like, I don't like his personality or his beliefs or anything, but, like, I've been a fan for so long that's hard to just be like, never again. Like, it's hard to swear off him. I'm always intrigued. But, yeah, once once Donda eventually comes out in 2027, we'll, we'll have that conversation. Cool, cool. Well, for right now, let's just get into our usual rigmarole. Uh, Jason, yes. last night you saw Space Jam. And Space Jam, A New Legacy. Yes, I watched both of them, which I think, Angel, you also watched both in the same day, right? Not the same day. Oh, I, I did, literally did them back-to-back. And, you know, the internet, I feel like, is pretty mean about New Legacy, the new Space Jam. And, you know, watching it's like, oh, my God, this thing is a giant commercial for HBO Max. Like, literally, there are scenes where they just take scenes from other movies and just shove the Looney Tunes in them for a minute. Like they're And they're random, too. Like, you know, all the kids love a reference to 1999's Austin Powers. Uh, or but, Casablanca. Well, or Casablanca. Or The Matrix, they kind of called back later in the movie, so that one almost worked. But then, like, Mad Max Fury Road, because, you know, every seven-year-old has definitely witnessed Mad Max Fury Road. Um, but, yeah, then as the movie went on, it was kind of, all right, they're slowing down the references. It's not quite as much of an ad. And then when it was over, it's like, well, that was, hmm. So then uh, my girlfriend and I were like, all right, let's watch the first one. So we watched the first one. And at the end of that movie, we were both like, hmm. 
And we realize, I think, and Angel, I know you love making this point about Star Fox when we talk about Star Fox, but I feel like there's a lot of nostalgia, like rose-tinted glasses for the first movie. And in reality... Oh, that definitely, that definitely is. Yeah, and in reality, these are basically the same in quality, if not the second one being slightly, even arguably better just because it has more meat on the bone. Which sounds absurd because if you watch it in, like, a vacuum, it's a ridiculous movie and there are potentially a million problems with it that I could get into. But, like, yeah, they're really it, equal. It, it comes down to, like, taste and what you thought. Cause, I mean, like, no, I, I agree with you all the way. Like, when I saw the second one, I mean, the first one again after the second one. Yeah, it was like, huh, if it wasn't for nostalgia, I would think the same about this movie. But, you know, like, hearing I Believe You Can Fly right in the beginning, hearing the mm-hmm. freaking Space Jam theme... Or just, you know, we saw these movies, like, I know, like, my sister and I and some friends, people watch this movie on VHS, like, almost, like, every hour, like, for a couple months. And so, like, we know, like, this movie, like, almost, like, line, like you know, yeah. line for line. So, you know, like, obviously, I still liked it. I'm like, oh, man, childhood, blah, blah, blah. But that's kind of, yeah, because otherwise, like, even, like, the basketball player, actually, even at the time, I didn't know who, like, most of these basketball players were. I didn't know who Charles Barkley was, or mm-hmm. I still don't know who, like, the other three were, except that, like, one dude was really tall, one dude was really short, and there was someone else. And even, like, the Bill Murray just kind of appearing out of nowhere. I, as a kid, but, did um, not get the Bill Murray. They asked him at one point in the original, hey, like, how'd you get here to, like, Toon World or whatever? And he's just like, oh, I just know the producer, so a teamster dropped me off. And that joke went completely over my head as a kid, but it's actually kind of a funny meta thing. But mm-hmm. anyway, sorry, Demir. Yeah, no, but yeah, I mean, like, I think um, personally, just because, and, and this is 100%, you know, like, if you're a kid growing up watching the new Space Jam, it's going to, you know, have the exact same impact that the first one had on us. Because, I mean... See yeah, that like that's I... where I disagree a little. Cuz I think Oh, all right. I think Space Jam 1 was very much a unique product of its time. It was the first, you know, time that they or among the first it was the first Warner animated project, I think, like the animation studio itself. And it was one of the first times that like the Looney Tunes did something in the real world in a way that now we see the Smurfs and now the Chipmunks and all these other ones do where they're combining like, you know, real world and and cartoon obviously who framed roger rabbit being the other one but that was like a whole nother league and that was like a decade prior so this was like the first for that era of that i think and at the time you also had michael jordan at like a peak of frenzy that lebron maybe he's reached with kids i don't know i would argue maybe kobe reached it more than lebron even but you know everyone always goes like kobe like they don't go lebron okay, when they... as much about michael jordan as they do about lebron when i saw either one of them right right okay fair but I, I guess my, my point more existed. my point more was it was more unique at the time like this one and I think that's the difference between why the first one had such a simplified plot. Like, there's literally no plot in the first one. It's like, oh, the Looney Tunes need help. Here's some basketball. And uh, this one, like, they had this whole, like, kind of convoluted thing with, like, what if LeBron was a bad dad? And then, like, he got in an argument with his son, but his son likes making video games. So what if instead of a basketball game, they're playing a video game basketball game and they had power-ups? But then also, like, there's the algorithm because everyone loves technology now, right? But what if technology was watching you and was actually scheming against you to take over the world through LeBron James? Well, let's do that and have Don Cheadle be a guy named Algae Rhythm. And do all that stuff. Like, it was, like, so many more things because I think they they kind of have to now. Like, I this movie. just got that. Oh, oh you did? <laughs> yep, yep. I remember but, hearing um, for that. I definitely prefer the first one. I think I like the more simplistic plot, even though they're both dumb. I, I, I remember hearing, like, oh, that's Don Cheadle's name. 
and uh, yeah, being like, that's a stupid name. I literally just got it. I at one point when they first said because I think they said hi I'm Algie and then they paused and said rhythm and when they said Algie I'm like why are they making a like Sasha Baron Cohen reference like Ali G like that's weird and then they said rhythm I'm like ah that makes sense but um no the thing I was getting at is like Space Jam then versus what we have now is kind of a dime like then it was kind of unique now it's kind of dime a dozen especially because Looney Tunes don't resonate with kids I would argue the same way and then you look at the references in the movie like Bill Murray you know you're saying in nineties you didn't necessarily appreciate it, but like a lot of kids knew Ghostbusters. He was in Ghostbusters. With this one, like, they didn't lean that heavily on, like, the actual shows kids watch. Like, they could have combined Looney Tunes with, like, Adventure Time, Steven Universe, uh, you know, anything from Cartoon Network, even Powerpuff Girls or stuff. They instead leaned on all these, like, properties for the parents, which I get was for the parents. But then for the kids, I feel like it doesn't have the same impact necessarily because they don't know, oh, there's a guy cosplaying as a White Walker behind, you know, Don Cheeto at one point. Like, it's just, oh, there's some random character so it i don't know it feels like this one because movies have done this a dozen time times over now not with basketball just with this idea of combining cartoon and real life kids might like it and kids might be like oh this was cool but is it gonna like have the staying power of the first one i think just because it's not so unique it's not like this weird new experiment uh i don't think it's gonna resonate in the same way with those kids i don't know i don't think it was as unique as you think it was i mean we also had mary poppins before that because I don't remember, I mean, when I watched it, it wasn't like, oh my God, look at this combination of animation and live action. Like, I don't remember that ever being like what I considered a cool part about it. If anything, it was just the fact that the Looney Tunes were there. Yeah, but think about how little the, the, Looney, the Tunes Looney Tunes are relevant to kids today by comparison. Looney Tunes were like in a yeah, moment in the yeah, 90s. They're, yeah, they're definitely less relevant. Yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah, sure. I mean, literally, the original Space Jam spun out of, which I didn't know until recently, the original Space Jam spun out of a commercial. For hair, that was called Hair Jordan, which was a riff on Air Jordan, obviously, and it was Bugs versus Michael Jordan, and it was for Nike, and it was 30 seconds, and that's because Looney Tunes was so big that Nike's like, oh, we want to do an ad with Looney Tunes, and then it turned into this movie. That wasn't what started this one. This one was just like, hey, parents, remember Space Jam? 90s are back. Let's give it another go. And then, you know, they take kids because, oh, hey, it's it's a new cartoon, and you might recognize some characters. So are the events of the first Space Jam, are they acknowledged in this movie? Um, the aliens are there. So that's the other thing. Yeah, I'm gonna go on. Which to... also doesn't make sense because nope. they became tunes at the end, so they would ideally want the tunes, the tunes want to win. Yeah, so that like that's the other. Again, yeah, they pop up twice. It's like they didn't watch the first one. <laughs> I mean, literally, they didn't because they they pop up twice and they pop up just literally full screen with no explanation, no like it's not an Easter egg. It's not like a hey, remember these guys? They just show up on the screen. They don't even talk. They're just there. Like, full screen. Like, just center screen. They literally take a moment so we could see the remote. <laughs> yeah, it's and that was it. It was really bizarre. And they look straight out of... It looks like they just were, like, up from the 90s one. It doesn't, they didn't even, like, fit with what was going on. Like, everything's 3D at that point except them, which are still 2D. But um, oh. that's kind of... And that's kind of the thing with the movie in general for me is I feel like... And there were some of these in the first one, but it was a little more subdued. I feel like the attempts at references and everyone complained about it being, you know, an HBO Max ad, that felt a little stronger to me in this one. Like, it really did seem like there was, like, do a reference for a reference, opposed to, like, trying to combine it with the movie or make it, like, something about the movie. Because, like, they literally, and you could go either way on this. Some of them I thought actually worked kind of well, but they literally just spliced in footage from other Warner movies and then inserted the Looney Tunes into it. And the idea was, the Looney Tunes all kind of left Toon World um, when the server, the Warner Brothers server verse, which 
I don't even know to think about that. But, you know, when the Warner Brothers Serververse took over, uh, the tunes all went their separate ways. And they're like, all right, so like Wally Coyote's in Mad Max, and, and uh, I forgot who was in Austin Powers. And then the only one that makes sense that actually like ties into the plot was the Matrix one, which was, um, I think, the granny from um, Sylvester and Tweety. And they do reference that later. But the other ones were just like, what if we just shove Wiley Coyote in Mad Max for a minute? It did get a good TNT joke, but like, what? It didn't like do anything. Like, at least in the first Space Jam, rewatching it, every character they reference ended up being on the Toon Squad or doing something that you see why they brought them into the fold. This one, they're just like, let's just go through a Rolodex of our properties and just shove them in for a second and then move on. And some of them, you know, like the Matrix one worked, the TNT gag was kind of good, Casablanca was really random, but it just felt, I don't know, it felt more forced in a way, because it didn't, like, connect back. It was just kind of like, hey, remember this movie? Hey, remember that movie? Hey, remember the next movie? And they did it, like, five times over. Funny, like, you say that, and then, like, I guess, like, for that reason, I thought it was, like, even more, like, the price that I guess they even bothered to tie in Taz's world-flipping ability, that, like, oh, they actually established something like that, that he did once, like... For no reason, but yeah. yeah, it was just so strange how they like, and then because and even even characters that were relevant. So okay, they do you know Wiley Coyote's in Mad Max. That's their excuse to show Mad Max and get him back on the Toon Squad. Fine, whatever. But then they do this extended scene with Lola Bunny trying to become an Amazon just because they wanted to recreate the Wonder Woman uh, 1984 like Amazon trial in animation form. It was really cool. They did it like a comic book, so it actually like has page turns and stuff, but. I don't know what that what the point of that was besides to go like, hey, remember when Rosario Dawson voiced Wonder Woman? Because here she is doing it again. Like, I don't understand what that – was it showing that she's a driven character? Because, like, I mean, they could show that just through her actions with the team. Like, I don't know what it was achieving exactly. It was just like a four-minute long Wonder Woman reference, music and all. And then I guess they're like, hey, do you like that? Check out Wonder Woman now on HBO Max. But, like, I don't really – like, it didn't – it just felt shoved in. It was really bizarre. And the first one, I think, um, you know, again, I think because it was smaller scale, anything they did reference, like, had to be directly referencing the plot and tie into the plot. And this one, they were just kind of like, eh, we have a lot of properties. Like, there are, like, three Harry Potter references. One was a gag, but then they just kept randomly doing the music cues. Like, remember Harry Potter? Hey, remember Hogwarts? Yeah, we, we own that. Which I think is where it separates from, like, Lego Movie or something, where Lego Movie, they did a bunch of references, but then, like, within those references, you know, they did the whole Batman stuff, but they had, like, a character arc for Batman and that sort of thing. This was just, like, boom, 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 little, like, remember this, remember this, remember this, and then they moved on. And for a lot of kids, they maybe don't remember half of them, which makes it even weirder. So, I don't know. That was my thought on that, though. I mean, Angel, did that bother you in the same way, or were you kind of whatever? I was kind of whatever. None of that stuff ever bothers me. Yeah, fair. (laughs) It's funny, though, because I love meta. Like, I love meta stuff. But I think because Animaniacs has done this but done it better and Lego Movie's done this but done it better and, you know, there's all these things that Warner has produced that have done this but better. Even Ray Player One, I think, was them. Um, This just felt kind of like, oh. I don't know. I I think um, my expectations were this exactly. Like, I guess after watching the trailer, I was just like, oh, it's going to be a giant commercial. And just go. Well, yeah, I mean, was. I got that vibe from again, the trailer, I mean, and I was fun. I actually had a lot of fun pinpointing the poor costume recreation like, in the crowd shots of the basketball game. You know, like they had the mask in there. They had like the Clockwork Orange guys randomly, like Iron Giant, uh, the Hanna Barbera characters. Like they had a bunch in there, and that was actually kind of fun had, to they like, had try the and figure out. In there? Yeah, 
They're on the, so in the crowd. Weird. They also have the It Clown and Joker and Penguin and it's a huge weird mix of things. And that was kind of like the sort Arnold of Arnold Mr. Freeze. Yeah. Um Well that was a more direct reference. Didn't they dress someone up as him? They dressed uh, LeBron as him, didn't they? I don't know. No, he was just in the background. Oh, because he was also he was when they were talking a... about LeBron in like the Batman universe. They also uh had him dressed like Mr. Oh yeah, Freeze. they made him Mr. Yeah. Freeze. No, yeah, but this Mr. Freeze was just like, you know, his bathrobe. Oh, gotcha. But yeah, like they had all these like little winks and nods and those are kind of cool because like they're not, you know, they're in the background, but when they're literally like, pump the brakes, we're going to show you reused footage of Austin Powers, but we'll insert Elmer Fudd as Mini-Me. You're kind of like, what? what? Okay. <laughs> like it just didn't, I don't know. But, um, yeah, I, I do think the other kind of funny thing is, you know, if you look at HBO Max's structure, it's very similar to Disney Plus, where they have hubs based on characters and, um, or based on properties. And that's literally how they structured the movie. So there's like a Looney Tune world for all the cartoons. There's a DC world for all the DC heroes. There's, um, like a Harry Potter world for all the Harry Potter content. Like it was literally like you're flying through the HBO, HBO Max menu in a way. But. But to answer your question, Ken, uh, from like 10 minutes ago, do they tie it back to the original? Yes, with the cameo. No with anything else. They do reference that they've done this before and actually have a really good – midway through the movie, a really good gag about Michael Jordan that I'm not going to say anything more about. But um, they act like the first movie happened, but the world doesn't match it because in the first one, they live inside the earth, and in this one, they live in a server. And they're, they know they're not real in the server, yeah. but they think they, they're real in the Earth. How they say the same one? Like they were different, different. Yeah, so like yeah. that doesn't make any sense. So it's the same bugs, but it's the same bugs. Somehow. It's the same Lola. It's the same everything, but like I guess the first one. Yeah, I don't know. And and even the server yeah, version they... recreates the vibe of the space planets and stuff from the first one, but one's digital and one's analog. Yeah, because I mean. Yeah, they apparently always existed in one, and in the other one, I mean, they were straight up digital creations. So yeah, unless they uploaded their memories, but yeah. Also, there's a Game Boy in the first two minutes, which was kind of cool because uh, LeBron, little LeBron, was playing a game I had on my Game Boy, which was kind of cool. So Bugs Bunny, Crazy Castle. But I know the internet had a field day because like, oh my god, he's playing a. They're showing behind, uh, like a color version of a game on an original Game Boy, but like if you actually watch the footage, it starts black and white, and then it morphs into color, and even becomes like sixteen and thirty-two bit as he like gets more engulfed in the game for those few seconds. So was it Shaq in the Windy on City? One. What was it? Shaq in the Windy City? Did that ever come out on Game Boy? I don't think it. Did. No, it was it was Bugs Bunny Crazy Castle. Gotcha. Yeah, but. uh yeah, and then he throws his Game Boy in the trash, and I was about ready to turn off the movie because how dare he disrespect the Game Boy like that? But I kept going. Of course. <laughs> but yeah, Adrian, I didn't mean to step on your impressions. Was there anything else you like? How anything else you wanted to say about it or thought about it? I've got nothing else to say about it. Okay. There you go, Kevin. So is, is that is that a recommend? <laughs> I guess. Uh, I in I love weird intellectual property fests like this so even though i had issues with it i still enjoyed watching it just for that and the and it, it, it it's it's fine if you have a couple hours to burn and you're just curious to see what they could do with space jam it's fine that's my glowing there recommendation go, put on the box it's fine space jam it's fine ring it's endorsement fine. from the random <laughs> yep. nintendo podcast <laughs> cool uh so i guess with that we could easily transition into black widow because disney plus Mm-hmm. Did their mm-hmm. little Black Widow hub around the release of this movie? 
They turned every movie poster into Black Widow. Jason has seen it, though. I have. Am I the only one? Angel, have you, like, read summaries or spoilers or... Uh, I don't even care enough about this one to do with the okay. others. Well, there's two... I think there's two ways to look at Black... I feel like this is just the, the Jason hour. I think there are two ways to look at Black Widow, honestly. Um, one is as a standalone movie, and one is as a uh, Marvel Universe component. As a standalone movie... Actually, actually, it was... I didn't know exactly what to expect. I knew it was going to be kind of like James Bondy, supposedly. So I was like, all right, I watch every Marvel movie. I've seen literally all of them. Let's do it. And I was kind of pleasantly surprised that they well, found Well, you've this. watched all of them? I've seen all of them. Yeah. This was actually the only one I haven't That's seen impressive. in theaters. I've seen every single one in theaters. This one I watched at Rachel's parents, uh, Rachel's dad's. But yeah, I, Rachel being the girlfriend for those out there who don't know. Um, but... Yeah, I went into it kind of expecting James Bond. I was pleasantly surprised that it ended up being kind of a mix, actually, more of uh, Jason Bourne movies. Like, it had, like, literally, like, the first half of the movie feels like Bourne identity. Um, even, like, kind of, like, the set pieces. And then it kind of does this interesting thing where it transitions into almost, like, a Marvel take on The Incredibles if the family was Russian. And I'm not going to spoil too much beyond that. But, like, it's a full family affair. Um, and there is, are some threads that kind of connect how it goes from a Bourne movie to an Incredibles type of movie. Um, the Switch, when it comes time for the family to do their thing together, the Switch gets a little like abrupt. It's just kind of like, oh, I guess they're just, we're just a super team now. But in the middle of that transition, they actually do a really good bit about like family dynamics and everything. Cause the thing about Natasha, Black Widow in the Marvel movies is she never really got much backstory. They made references to things. They alluded to things. They mentioned, you know, she was part of the Widow program, which for those who haven't, um, followed along with Marvel as closely as basically being brainwashed by Russian ops to be assassins and do what they want, essentially. Um, but Black Widow, Natasha was able to like, break free from that, which is, you know, kind of her turn eventually in the Marvel movies and she becomes a good person but has all this training. Um, so they do kind of touch on that and you meet her sister and there's actually some really good scenes where they're kind of like reconciling, you know, their situation with their parents and they have like, like real, like, earnest kind of like family dinner bickering and stuff that felt like surprisingly like it wasn't like Marvel would do with like Iron Man or something where they bicker but they try and make it like comical it was just straight up like family bickering that felt like really organic and it was just interesting to see like a family dynamic of that extent inside a Marvel movie even if it was kind of shoved between Bourne and Incredibles like in this weird moment in the middle but um so that was kind of cool and then they go into the big, you know, every Marvel movie has to have a huge climactic third act that's like half CG. And they do that, and that's why it becomes kind of Incredibles. And I think that on some level does slip in quality a little because they start having some plot holes. Um, without saying too much, I don't understand how the big bad in the movie went undetected given what he's doing and where he's doing it. And if you see the movie, you'll probably ask the same question, especially in light of other big bads and other Marvel movies doing similar things. Play, being in similar places for their goals and you know you'd think that'd be a warning sign to the world like hey maybe this is a place you should be checking regularly but that's all I'll say about that um, but yeah so it's like a standalone movie actually I had a lot of fun with it more than I expected as a Marvel MCU project I think it is part of this new class of Marvel projects where including the TV shows and I know we're going to get to Loki at some point Kevin where um it, it the old end game of the Marvel movies was literally end game. It was you know the idea that everything you're seeing all these pieces of this puzzle that are building towards this one central climax, and every character you're introduced to goes towards that one central climax. 
What I feel like is happening with Marvel now is because they did that one central climax. They're now kind of like trying to reset the pieces. So um, Black Widow is just as much about her sister as it is about her because um, spoiler from Endgame and I'll wait a beat. Black Widow's out of the MCU at this point. So that's done. So they need a new like like Scarlett Johansson, Natasha is done. So they need a new Black Widow. So, you know, introducing your sister, having them kind of bounce off each other, having the dynamic and like the Incredibles family moment kind of come together. All that was essentially to set the ball in motion for this new Black Widow. The same way that um, the Hawkeye show when it comes out is supposedly going to be setting in motion the retirement of Clint as Hawkeye and his daughter taking over. Or how... Um, and this is what we're going to probably talk about next, how Loki is essentially explaining how you can do a multiverse without having to retcon any of the original MCU and then introduces another Loki. Now, in this case, they're in parallel, it seems. like they're, It's not like one's going away and one's staying. It seems like they're both going to be around. But there's now this other Loki, so if Tom Hiddleston wants to step away, he can. And like Thor, when it comes out to cast Natalie Portman, is kind of the new Thor. So then if Chris Hemsworth wants to step away, and obviously Iron Man's already gone, Captain America's already gone. Didn't you know, they, like, wasn't Natalie Portman out of the MCU at some point? Yeah, so that's the thing. This this movie is actually set, and that's the other problem with it. No, I meant like as a person. Like oh, oh, sorry, yeah, Natalie some... Portman. I thought you were saying Dr. Hampson. Yes, she did leave, but she eventually came back for a cameo, and I think Marvel just threw a ton of money her way, and like, you want to be Lady Thor? And she's like, okay. So, so it wasn't necessarily a cameo. It was it was unused footage from the right. dark world. But I thought they I thought they had to re-ADR uh, it. I thought they had to come back in and redo the lines or something. Didn't no, they she absolutely, she had no lines in her quote-unquote cameo. Oh, that's right. She just, like, turned, right? Like, literally turned to the camera. Yeah, um... But yeah, so they're kind of doing this thing, and you know, like uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, like the, the entire premise of that movie is to explain what happened, or the show, the six parts, is basically like, what's up with Falcon? Who's he going to be next? So like, it's it, it feels like instead of Marvel being like, alright, we're introducing all these characters, and we're going to like kind of move them into this middle ground, this like end point where they all meet, they're now doing like, alright, we need to basically put down entirely new chess pieces, but you know all the characters, so we're going to do a whole suite of movies and shows that are just like, explaining away why things are no longer how they are which isn't hugely different than how they introduce character by character for the first you know 23 movies to get to the end of phase three but it just feels like such a more i want to say blatant reset but it's just such a like okay so they're doing this to introduce this guy they're doing this to take away this person like black widow should have had this movie in between civil war and infinity war that's where it makes sense in the MCU timeline. I honestly think if they did some of the stuff she did in Infinity War and Endgame, like the the the, the weight of it would have been stronger because you learn more of her backstory here and understand some of the choices she makes there in an even deeper way than just like, ah, she, she likes her friends. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's just, And I realize there's all sorts of politics of why Black Whale didn't happen. The old Marvel head didn't want to do a led, female-led movie. He thought it wouldn't work, et cetera, et cetera. Well, but... Um, Nonetheless, like, yeah, because it's so far removed, but now, like, kind of going back and filling in gaps, it really felt to me like it was them just setting up the new Black Widow. Just like Loki, I think. And, Kevin, I'm curious about your thoughts because you watched it too. But it kind of feels like Loki was just saying, like, well, here's how the multiverse is possible. Like, that was kind of its whole purpose versus being, like, a show about Loki. Okay. Well, in that case, our Black Widow. Yeah. So that's Black Widow. It's enjoyable. Down. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Enjoyed it. All right. Enjoyed Loki. it. Better than it's fine. 
<laughs> I saw better than it's fine. Uh, Loki, something that I did see and mm-hmm. that you saw and Angel, I assume you read or, or yeah, saw. I watched an explainer video or something. Okay, you watched an explainer video. Eh, it's better than usual, I guess. Then just watch yeah, you didn't just skip to the minutes. end. Yeah, this time I got a, a detailed overview of, you know, everything. Probably more than I needed because they also did like deep dives into like, oh, see this character right here? They had a whole arc of this in the comics and blah, blah, blah. And like, here's everything you need to know about the main villain and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. 20 minutes of that. And do you think, Kevin, should we preface this? Is this going to be a spoilery discussion of Loki? I feel like it might tread there pretty quickly. Well, uh, before you say my that, notes, would you just say would you recommend no. it? Okay, then, then yes, Kevin, then you go first and I'll bite my tongue. Uh, would I recommend it? I mean, I, I think out of the three Disney Plus series so far, it's definitely the best, but only because I think WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier, like, fumbled their endings. Like, independent of those two shows, I, I think it was fine. High six to, like, low seven, I think I'd rate. What the about... I know this is kind of, like, a weird question to ask about these kinds of shows, just because, you know, it's like, it's like, would you recommend to a Marvel fan, but would you recommend any of these or especially loki like to someone that doesn't watch anything marvel not that they dislike marvel they just haven't watched anything like if they're like oh i want to get into this universe i just start with loki i think you're gonna be like no 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 you have to watch all these other movies first or if you don't have time for that then yeah this franchise isn't for you uh loki has a pretty good primer about Mm -hmm. where it starts and even without the primer i'd be like yeah go go even even if you haven't seen it uh yeah, go ahead and watch it. Yeah, I was going to say, even without the primer, like, in the same way that, like, WandaVision obviously has a huge tie-in to MCU, but, like, it's kind of also just about TV. So, like, you could watch it and appreciate the TV references on some level, and it will become a Marvel thing by the end. But, like, you know, there, there there's enough there that, like, if you just are a fan of TV, you can get something out of it. I feel like Loki, in a similar way, is just so many send up and send up send ups and homages. There we go to you know um, like sci fi and to Blade Runner and to like this whole era of different types of sci fi that it and time travel and you know thinking about free will that like you can get something out of it. Like the primer, like even without the primer, like as long as you pick up, okay, Loki got dumped in this situation. You can kind of roll with it and just appreciate the like nods to the genre tropes and even occasionally when it subverts them so i think the only one that you really like oh you need to appreciate the mcu is falcon and winter soldier because that's just straight up like Mm. hey remember this and then avengers okay now it's becoming this and it's like oh okay (laughs) so yeah but anyway oh yeah you i guess you wouldn't have any idea who uh zemo is if you didn't see civil war but like yeah he's just like this random pretty much not watching a lot of the MCU with the Loki. And you know, it's interesting because, or sorry, go ahead. Go for it. I was just say it's interesting because um, that's basically what's happening with, um, with Rachel's family is uh, they're rewatching all the MCU and her sister hasn't seen any of them. So I'm seeing sort of secondhand someone like jumping around the MCU and like picking things up. Like they watched the three Iron Men back to back, which are out of order from proper MCU. And, you know, like they watch, uh, she watched Black Widow before seeing Endgame or Infinity War. So, she didn't know what happened to Natasha. Uh, but, like, there was a bunch of, like, jumping around. And it's interesting to see, like, how it resonates with someone who is disconnected more from the um, from the franchise as a whole. And, you know, they do work on their own. That's the thing that I think Marvel is going for it, is you might have some questions and not know who someone is at a given moment. 
but their plots are relatively contained, which is by design. And that's partly why some people say they always feel sort of cookie cutter because they always have to follow kind of a similar playbook to ensure that it is consumable by someone who hasn't watched all 23 in theaters or whatever. But yeah, that that's kind of the weird beauty of the MCU is like you can hop in at a point and still enjoy yourself. It's just to the degree that you get it can vary, I guess. So I guess that there's a lot of t- – well, you already brought up the the talk of like this this how they introduced the multiverse. Mm-hmm. And the last episode was a lot of that. Um, well, I mean it, it just straight up sets up the multiverse. And a lot of people, including you, I remember mm-hmm. last week before we started Ren Nintendo, you are like – Oh man, can you believe how that's how they set up the multiverse? And I, I, everybody treated it like as this big revelation, even though we've been headed this direction for a while now, and it's been explicitly told to us not even by like WandaVision, which sets up the multiverse, but the fact that we have a Doctor Strange movie that's literally called Multiverse, multiverse of Madness, Madness. Yep. and um, the. Like Kevin Feige also being like, oh yeah, we're, we're going to do the multiverse this, uh, in this run of Marvel. So I don't understand what the big hype I, was about. I think for me, what it was is we knew the multiverse was kind, but what I thought Loki did well, and I did, hopefully this isn't a spoiler, but they basically explained away extremely cleanly how the MCU never had to think about this before. Like, we had, you know, if there's a multiverse, why didn't someone from one of the other verses come and, like, stop Thanos if it's that big of a deal? But they, like, perp, they, like, very cleanly were like, oh, well, here's why the MCU was how it was up to this point. Here's how we're going to do the multiverse. But the way we're doing the multiverse technically allows us to now pull from anything else in parallel with the MCU and treat it as if it was always part of the story. Like, they, they found a way to, like, walk that line where they're not retconning the MCU, but they're able to go beyond it. So, for example... If yeah. they wanted – there were rumors in the 90s that Tony Stark was going to be played by Tom Cruise. If they wanted to explore that hypothetically and do a sister Iron Man series that ha- had Tom Cruise, they can do that, leave the MCU exactly how it was, leave where the MCU is going in Phase 4 how it is, and then tie it in in the future and have it be perfectly normal and no one go like, wait, but what about the other Iron Man? Like how does this work? Like that's what I thought they did really well, the implication that they're now able to basically take any Marvel anything, feed it in. Do it separately. Basically do what DC's been doing with like their standalone Joker film and stuff and do it in a way that's still quote unquote canon. I thought that was just kind of cool because I really thought what they're going to do is just be like MCU was what it was. Starting now there's a multiverse. But they basically retconned all of the MCU to have a multiverse without actually hurting the MCU or changing See, what okay, it could that, be. that that's a factor that I never thought about that actually does make sense. But I feel like yeah. I heard none of that talk where, like you said, they – they essentially could retcon the MCU without necessarily like having to retcon it, mm-hmm. which that that is a cool idea. But I just hear I've heard none of that being discussed. I think I've, where I've I literally pick- only heard like, can you believe that spoilers? They made a billion timelines. I think where I picked up on that wasn't the can you believe they made a billion timelines. It was um it was spoiler Kang. Not the Conqueror, the friendly king, whatever his name is, uh, when they were talking about how there's he all these other – What? He who remains. That's – Yes, thank you. That's it. But when, when he was talking about all the other um, timelines and how there's some that are worse and some that are better and then he like showed – and they showed you know the, the, the tree of timelines and everything and basically 
I feel like I don't remember exactly because it's been a few weeks, but I feel like at one point they basically showed, look, here's where we are, but then here's all the other stuff that's going on around us, just as like a tree. So it wasn't so much we're breaking into the multiverse now. It's like this Loki that we see on the show is breaking into the multiverse, but they're basically like, yeah, as everything was happening here, all this other stuff was going on everywhere else. We just, you guys were siloed off. You didn't know. And I think that was kind of to me where it was like, oh, so they could do all this other stuff, have it come in later and not have it hurt anything they already did. Because they're basically like you were in a tunnel and now that tunnel is, you know, you got through the mountain, you're outside again. You could see like things around you again. That's kind of how I interpreted it. I mean, yeah, that's, that's pretty <laughs> cool. Yeah, it's, it's it's a cool concept. It's it's a clever way to really sidestep a lot of the – because, I mean, DC's basically doing it too. Like I was saying with Joker, like they're doing – you know, we have the Batman, but then we also have like the Batman and Flash. That's a different Batman, the, the Batman. And then we're going to bring back Michael Keaton as Batman. And like they're all doing – everyone's doing multiverse. Everyone's Spider-Versing. I realize, you know, it came from the Cox first. It's not like Spider-Verse did first. But in the movie world, everyone's Spider-Versing. But it's just interesting how they're all taking different approaches. And Marvel just seems the most like consistent with their storytelling. Yeah. So, uh, you know like, who did it first? Far as I know, in movies, Ninja Turtles. <laughs> no one ever talked about that. Did they? When did they do a Ninja Turtle? Ver- oh, wait. Yeah, they did in like the mid two thousands, right? Oh yeah, I am actually. Oh, Turtles Forever. Doesn't need to pray that you know. I think yeah, you told me. Forever, yeah, you told me before about multiverse it. movie. Turtles Forever was awesome. I mean, if you want to get nitty gritty. Mm-hmm. 2003, Nintendo did it first with Mario Kart Double Dash. You have Mario and Baby Mario next to each other. Like, how's that possible? So, credit where it's due, it was Nintendo. <laughs> was that well, the first time of the I know, I know. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Huh. Well, aside from that, we actually didn't talk too much about the show. Um, no, not yet. Owen Wilson absolutely, like, stole the show for me. Mm-hmm. I think his character, Mobius, is great. Go get him. The, the, like the rapport that he and Loki had was like fun, mm-hmm. and oh man, uh, like I said, I'd rate this Did a high a six to low seven. In the show, what happened? Mobius, Mobius, Mobius. Ah, Mobius. Um, he never I was once ready said for wow, this to be by a the buddy way. cop show, and mm, I didn't get that. Really disappointing. Which was incredibly disappointing. I guess I, I guess once again, I've had, I set my expectations to something else and they gave me something that I didn't necessarily want because I feel like, especially those first two episodes, make it seem like this is going to be a show about Loki and Mobius. Uh But no, it was literally just about Loki and his, uh, spoilers, his, uh, his variants. His lady Loki. Yeah, Lady Loki, Sylvie, I hardly cared for her. And I think that's probably why I didn't enjoy this as much as I thought I was going to. Because, I mean, she's the other main character. She's admittedly probably Not more important than, than Owen Wilson. I mean, I didn't find her interesting. I don't know what how Jason felt. She was, she was, I feel like she was there to serve a plot purpose and that was it. Like, her, her whole... Basically, I mean, to me, her whole existence. Any character in any show ever. Well, no, 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 no. But my point is, like, her whole existence seemed just to be a driver of why Loki was getting tagged along on this journey to figure out what's going on with the verses, essentially. Like, she, you know, she was like, oh, well, little light spoilers here, but she was basically like, oh, I was, you know, kidnapped as a kid by this, this organization that fixes timelines. That's kind of the premise of the show. And now I want revenge. It's like, all right. So then she and him kind of bicker and then they end up getting along and working towards the same goal because she sort of, she sort of tells 
Loki, what's going on in a way that he starts to understand, oh, there's something else at play, but they never really dive into her beyond she was kidnapped as a baby and now she wants revenge. Like, Loki, I thought, actually had a pretty good character arc, all things considered, because he's pretty... Like, he's had some development in the Marvel movies, but he is a little one-note, but they actually, like, went pretty deep with him and had him actually start caring about someone, which was kind of nice to see. But yeah, she was just kind of consistently... Like, they would... about Thor? They would... Yeah, but I mean, like, yeah, on some level. But I mean, theoretically, this Loki doesn't care about Thor. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Yeah. He's at the peak of his anger with him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so like Sylvie to me... with him? Yeah, peak of his anger, is that what you just said? (laughs) The peak of his anger? Because, I mean, he got him arrested. That was, like, the last interaction they had. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, Sylvie just to me felt more like a... She didn't feel developed enough, is I guess what I'm saying. She felt too much like a plot device. Especially at the end where, like... Sorry to hear that. Nah, spoiler, but at the end where they start to, like, make it seem like she is more developed and then they literally like pull a ripcord on that idea at the last second because they need to to progress the multiverse idea yeah uh the tba stuff super cool i love Mm -hmm. its whole aesthetic the atmosphere like like, architecture yeah yeah that you know they said that their uh gadgets they use like the tba like uh time tracking things are inspired in part by the game boy camera i don't fully see how outside of when they showed like images of people on it they were kind of pixelated like a Game Boy camera image but yeah apparently the director or producer or someone said Game Boy camera was an inspiration so there's a little Nintendo yeah, that, trivia for you that whole uh, that whole TBA stuff uh, gave me vibes that I got from Control that mm-hmm. uh, the video game mm-hmm. which I love that game and so seeing something very very reminiscent of it i was like huh the, the, like a controlled tv series would absolutely work if uh if they can make this tva stuff work honestly the um it took me a minute till i one of, actually one of our listeners pointed out to me on twitter but um because i was saying you know the brutalist architecture is really cool like i love the look of it like that the production values are, are set designer really what got me and he's like yeah it's an homage to blade runner and i was like oh my god the whole show is like variants versus replicants like it's you know, figuring out who's a variant, who's not having authority that kind of polices them. It's straight up Blade Runner, which I love Blade Runner. So once it once it clicked for me, I was just like, oh, that's actually really kind of a nice homage. But it it took me a minute to pick up on it. But yeah, that's partly why the TVA, I think, looks how it does. is It's it's very Blade Runner inspired. Yeah. Were you with us in that Blade Runner experience at Comic-Con? Yeah, I was. It was amazing. I don't remember why I don't remember you there, but I do remember I was definitely Nigel. There. I was definitely there. Yeah, did you know they're making a Blade Runner anime now? Point, or like, what? Did you say anything funny at any point? Or like, like, whoa, there's no, how could I forget this Jason moment? Um, how can you forget any Jason moment, Angel? I'm, I'm constantly churning out gems. Well, exactly. Well, exactly. I'm trying to remember what the gem was. Uh, well, one of us, when we were in it, if I remember correctly, um, so it's so a Kevin to fill you in a little. So at, at Comic Con a few years ago, for Blade Runner 2049, they did a crazy experience where you actually, like, you start, so it, they built a two-story structure in a parking lot, like a giant hangar, and you start in a VR thing where you're flying around on a Blade Runner car, and then you land, and then you take the VR off, and when you walked into the place to be in the VR, you were just in an empty room with some chairs. Turns out one of the walls wasn't real, and they move it, so when you take off the VR, you are where your car just crash-landed in the VR. Like, they built a full-on movie set of sorts and they had actors walking around and they were like you know taking on the roles of like a street vendor and they give you like they had food like 
like the street food from the movie, like kind of Chinese inspired. They had uh, Johnny Walker sponsored it, so they had like these test tubes of drinks you could drink, like in the movie. Um, and they had these actors walk around as citizens of this like neo LA, including prostitutes. And all I remember, obviously not real prostitutes, but all I remember is one of them taking one of our poster tubes, Angel. And like running away with it and then like wanting money for it. Cause they're like, oh, well, if you're not going to sleep with me, then you better oh, at least pay for this. And I think it was my tube, but it might have been your tube. I don't remember, but that, that was my memory. And then they also did a thing where they'd sounds like, sounds like something that happened to you. Yeah, it might have been me. And they also did a thing where they like would check if you're a replicant. So they would actually take your photo and run it through like a fake computer. And if you're a replicant, like the actors would like swarm around you. And if you weren't, you could walk free. And it was like the coolest Comic Con, uh, like offsite. Brand activation, et cetera, et cetera. It, um, like, it was so cool. It was like the most immersive one I think I've ever been in. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, so, and now they're making an anime of Blade Runner, so. Comes out, I think it's called Black Locust, comes out on Adult Swim. Fingers crossed that, uh, we get to go to Comic Con soon, because with this Delta variant, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I made the possibly foolish choice of Complex Cons happening in November, which is basically Comic Con for like, hip-hop and streetwear and, and that culture and you know we usually go with a couple friends so i made the choice of buying a ticket just hoping delta's gone by then but yeah i don't know if i want to be in a place where everyone's flying in from across the country if delta's still peaking the, the best comparison yeah. i heard was like if you are vaccinated you know it's like having an umbrella in most cases in most days when it rains you're covered but if it's really torrential downpour you're still gonna get a little wet and that's basically kind of yeah. like what could happen with the delta if it keeps spiking is we could still catch it we won't die we won't even be hospitalized, but we can still have, like, a bad flu for, like, a week. Yeah. Bi-weekly so. uh, SoCal COVID update might have oh, yeah. to make a return. Yeah. So, but I anyway, guess that Loki. will be if for Loki. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, did, I feel like we sort of went on a weird Blade Runner tangent. Was there anything else you wanted to say? No, I think I show? got my some of my notes, my points okay. across. I, I do think it's interesting. Well, or, Angel, what are you going to say? Sorry. No, 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 no. Go, um, we finish with that. I was just saying, I do think it's interesting that it was the inverse of many Marvel Marvel things where, you know, I was talking about how, like, Black Widow, the third act, was, like, this big climactic, like, fight. And, you know, we were saying how WandaVision devolved into that. And, and this one, like, the big action was, like, in the middle. And then the ending was just talking, which was very unmarvel, which was kind of refreshing. Yeah, I do, I I do like how intimate that last episode was. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know, like... If I'm totally into the hamminess of the bad guy, like, or he wasn't even necessarily a bad guy, but the hamminess of the guy, like, I, it, it worked, but it, like, kind of kept going. I was like, okay, okay. But, like, conceptually, having them end the show like that, or at least the season like that, and not the way that every other Marvel thing has ever done it was, was a nice change of pace. And I'm hoping as Marvel gets more comfortable doing these shows we start seeing, and these different versions of themselves, like, even animated stuff, they have What If coming out in a couple weeks, which, is MCU canon? It ties right into what just happened in Loki. Uh, but if um, you know, I'm hoping they start experimenting more and getting more comfortable telling stories different ways than just always trying to follow the same uh, structure. So Loki gives me hope yep. in that regard. And there is going to be a season two already confirmed. Yes, which is interesting because I really didn't expect that. Yeah, I thought they were supposed to be like six episode, yeah, contained thing of blockers. Yeah, me too. Um. Also interesting, though, kind of to show just how everything's kind of changing up in the Marvel world. Not a spoiler. I won't say what happens, but the stinger at the end of the credits of Black Widow is not for the next Marvel movie. It's for a Marvel TV show. So they're really crossing the streams now. And it actually not only ties in with the next Marvel TV show, but also with one that's already happened. 
So it's it's interesting how everything's it's all one big story now. It's not like siloed. They originally said you can get away without watching the TV shows and still watch the movies, but there'd be a pre- you'd appreciate it more if you were into the shows. It, I think they're slowly dropping that when they realize just how big Disney Plus has become, because it's all very intertwined now. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Cool. 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 And on that note, due to some audio technical difficulties, it's always got to be something with uh, our recordings. Uh, we're going to have to end this episode a little prematurely. Uh, I'm going to have to wax poetic about Chainsaw Man some other time. But, yeah, that'll do this episode of Random Nintendo. Next week, we will have a brand new episode of the Random Nintendo podcast, which I have no idea what we're talking about. I'm going to assume Skyward Sword and something else. Uh, I don't think any of us bought Skyward Sword, actually. Did anyone mm-hmm. buy Sky- Skyward Sword? Nope. No, but I've been playing a ton of Pokemon Unite. That's the one I was going to bring up was Pokemon Unite. Okay, yeah. there we go. Um, Pokemon Unite. Yeah. We'll talk a lot United about that. United We Pokemon. There's the episode title. Done. Perfect. Beautiful. Anyway, yeah, next week. <laughs> yeah, I, I like it. I'm wow. fine with it. All right. Well, <laughs> with that the being said. The irony being uh, we're not actually playing it together, but yes, United We Pokemon. True. Uh, so you are listening to us on some podcast app of your choice. Good choice, you. Uh, on YouTube, we are <laughs> Ran Nintendo Come. We are at Nintendo on Twitter. Individually, Jason is at JSR7. Angel is at W-E-I-R-O underscore O. And I am Kevin Gomi. And with that, uh, takes out, Jason. I, I feel like I said a lot this episode, so I'm actually going to pass the baton. Angel, take us out. Uh, we only have so long in this life. Make a move to it.